now can I say my thing where I feel like I'm a real podcaster, tech podcaster, because we're going to be talking about an Apple event? Sure. <laughs> Prove to me that you're a real podcaster right now. Well, so there's no actual news, but what I speculate about Apple is that they will make a new iPhone this year. It's all going down. And they also will make no money, but also charge a lot for their phones, and then no one will like to buy those phones. <sighs> That's a hot take. <laughs> <laughs> So they had their big big event. What was the name of the event? It was like the Sia in the Hollywood event. Services. All the services. services. Oh, yeah. The, the, I lo- really loved how Tim Cook wrote his freshman Webster's English Dictionary paper, defines Where Webster's services. Dictionary defines a service <laughs> as a thing that helps people. Why would you do that? That's like the worst meme you can fall into, like right off the bat. <laughs> Because he's lame. He's a lame person. He's a good guy. I guess. He can be both lame and good at the same time. They're not mutually exclusive. So, But they announced a lot more stuff than I thought they were going to announce. And in six-ish months, you'll maybe see one of them. Because nothing's coming out anytime soon. Exactly. So do you want to kind of go through what actually came out and... Sure. Well, the first we had Apple News Plus, which is literally texture that they bought like two or three years ago, which was a $15 a month subscription to a bunch of magazines, like 300 or so, uh, which Apple acquired maybe a year and a half, two years ago. And now it is Apple News Plus. And it's literally... uh, It's just a subscription service. I can't remember if they gave a price or not. I think it's yeah, yeah. I think it's bucks, ten bucks a month. Yeah. Uh, for basically, this is the one thing. This is the one thing that you can buy right now. That's true. This this did get announced early. Although it's weird because I've heard other reports now saying that um, for some of the bigger stuff, like is it is it Bloomberg or Wall Street Journal? I think. Wall Street Journal. One of them, but one of them, the yearly cost is like three hundred dollars. So I'm hearing some reports now that like the articles you're seeing on Apple News are not the full articles and then you're being bounced to another paywall like in the app and stuff like that. So there's some, Ooh. there's a little bit of well, weird stuff going on. Yeah, because we, so let's explain that. So yeah, they're in magazines like from Texture, but then they also announced n- more news, newspaper-y mm-hmm. collaborations and the biggest one being the Wall Street Journal, but there are a few other ones. I know in Canada there was like the the Toronto Star, I think. Yeah, um, one of the big ones. Which is one of the biggest newspapers there. But yeah, the reports that I've been seeing also were something like that too, where you don't get the full Wall Street Journal, you get articles that the News Plus surfaces from the Wall Street Journal. Right, which was a, a little interesting. And granted, this was not the part of the show that I was all that interested in. Uh, I'm probably not gonna again I don't have a feed reader on my phone right now so I'm probably not gonna start now uh, but it is kind of cool I mean they, they have a few cool things like the moving covers are kind of neat and I think more integrated that was the lamest the- thing I was gonna say <laughs> I don't feel I don't feel as neat at all well I, I could see you know the 
going even further back four or five years ago, actually longer than that, when like Apple author first started coming out, like more uh, iBooks, oh, iBooks was coming author, out. Like yeah. there was a, a promise of more uh, integration, more like how the the digital book could, you know, open straight into the a movie or not a movie, but like a, a video portion, or you could have moving charts and stuff to like better ingrain. And in, re- in reality, what happened is people don't want to bother building that and nothing happened, nothing came of it. But I could see ways that more integrated, um, you know, bringing in kind of MP4 bits into a magazine, into the digital part could create, you know, more uh, interactive experience. Which you would- Yeah, I think these... I think these the reason this works is I think these magazines are already publishing these on the internet in this form already. This is more a curation. I don't think they're doing like a special right Apple formatted news for these magazines. I think if you were to buy People Magazine online, you would get the same like using the People Magazine app. I'm assuming I would it would assume be very right, yeah. to that. Uh, yeah, so I do. The two things I find interesting about this, uh, besides it just being texture that they repackaged, the fact that it's one price and include their and this I think this applies to most of the services that they announced, uh, which is it applies to the family, yeah, the family uh, sharing thing, family share plan. So like there's one price point and you can share it with any everybody in your family, which is nice, up to six people. Yeah, that is pretty cool, um, and. Yeah, and the other thing being the emphasis on privacy. Yeah, drilling down to that, which everything that comes out now, they talk about the secure enclave and the the device, the data housed in the device, like the smart learning that doesn't escape your personal device. Like we're not gonna, I'm not gonna deny that they they do that. I don't think it's because like it's in the out of the goodness of their heart. I think they just find that to be their competitive advantage over Google. And a lot of these other companies that want to mine all your data. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a, you know, dating back to a few years ago. I mean, it's a fantastic selling point they can roll through when they do it right. And yeah. obviously, like, this also means they have to really get it right because they can't slip with that happening. Yeah. I find that, yeah, that seems like a big sticking point, especially like, say, you know, Apple sells you on this stuff. Like I'm Time Magazine and I'm Eddie Q, right? And I put on the shirt and then I go to your <laughs> office and I tell you that, you know, this Apple News Plus is going to be awesome and it's going to be like your best platform and like all of your, you know, traffic is going to be come through this. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, that's awesome. I'll sign up. But downside is you get no data. You get no data. You like, get no advertising. any, Or at least not theoretically there's aggregated data i would assume uh but it's true like i it's hard to tell what actually is going to get through to a to a client or to you know to a magazine who then sells ads against that so i don't i do not have an uh an iphone right now so and i've never really used apple news because i always used a feed reader and so i could sort of define what i wanted i would always find like even if I use, this is not like a fault particularly of Apple News. It's just something that I don't like, which is like, pick these topics and then we'll give you a bunch of articles. And it would just always just give me Trump articles, <laughs> which is the opposite of what I wanted. Yeah. So I just never got into like, there's so much news out there. No possible person could, you know, uh, 
consume it all. So I don't even need this like curation thing. Like I could curate, I could subscribe to three news sources and have more news than I could read. Yeah, I am always curious. Like I'll hear random people talk about stuff like that or like they, you know, love the idea of literally just being basically brain dead and just have somebody who gets it right feed in or just put the articles in front of me that I know I want to read. I was like, I mean, I do like discovery and searching for things of my own. I don't feel like that's going to go away just because tech gets smarter. Yeah. I wish maybe it had some, maybe it does this like, but it doesn't surface as well, which is like this, like, just tell me the trending news and give me the best article for that trending news because everything is an echo chamber. So like if there's, if you follow three, three news sites, even though they might have different focuses, if there's a big thing, mm-hmm. they'll just have their slightly different take on it. Sure. It's yeah. not that they, they do. They put this big focus on like these long form magazine and newspaper like in-depth articles which i do think are the most interesting part but that's not a lot of what a magazine is a lot of magazine is filler and ads and all this other stuff and maybe once in every couple months they'll have like a great headline article that's worth reading okay let's talk about apple arcade all right Uh, this is another yeah go ahead so there was a theme that i definitely picked up on on this which throughout the entire thing was we love indie developers and creators and but they make no money people and And we don't know how to love supporting the small people also here's oprah and here's (laughs) jennifer aniston and here's steve carell here are the three biggest tv people of all time uh talking about how shows for the small person are, are coming up and i feel like games were a little similar so apple arcade is basically to say like free games are too good and they take and nobody wants to pay for anything because the power of free is real. So here's the thing yeah, you so can all, buy. So, yeah. So all games suck because the economics of the App Store make you have a free game with a bunch of in-app microtransactions. And that leads to ultimately a bad experience. So what to fix that, we're going to do Apple Arcade, which to my understanding is... It will be a subscription service like a Netflix for games where Apple will work with a sele- whoever they select. Apparently, they will select these game developers. They will work with them. They will produce games with no apps. No, uh, sorry, with no in-app purchases that are um, uh, cross compatible from iPhone, iPad, Mac and Apple TV, apparently, which is that's pr- that's pretty interesting. So there's a lot of ways to get into this and gaming is this is also like this is certainly not a unique venture it's there's a lot of stuff going on now like epic the people who create fortnite are really digging doubling down on the epic store that they have and that's created some controversy on its own because they're trying to get into exclusives apple was really a little cagey and not talking about some of the specifics but the fact that they also say they want to get they want this on the mac says that full games should be available on the service. Like you should be able to get, you know, your Fortnites and some of your AAA titles. It's not just Monument Valley and some of these tiny iPhone games. See, my thought is it was going to be iPhone games because of the uh, Marzipan. Oh, okay. So because of that, that it would just be, you're not actually building a game for the Mac, you're building an iOS game, and because of sure. Marzipan, it'll just run on the Mac. That was my thought. It was kind of the opposite of what you so, were saying. So, yeah, and this this was one that they, you know, there's no price. Uh, they've announced some games that are coming 
on board to this platform. Which but, are all iOS games, I think. Yeah, they're iOS games. I mean, and it doesn't say anything to the extent that uh, this will only this if this isn't open to everyone then you have to buy a thing and hope that the 50 games that are on it are the ones you want to play and if a developer holds out like how does that work and you know now they're not going to get a marketing push behind them yeah what are their contracts are going to be exclusivity periods and maybe it'll drop off after a few months and then you're in the middle of playing the game like what is the deal with that yeah, so there's there's interesting stuff, and obviously Apple can try to start getting into uh, what they're doing with TV and what you know Netflix is doing, and these people have like ahead of time buying, you know, creating. So in, in games, they're essentially there's third party makers, which are just independent creators who then put the games wherever they want. There's also like second party creators, which are outside studios but have exclusivity agreements with like PlayStation or. Uh, or Sony or Xbox or whoever. So I don't know if they're trying to like sweep up deals in the development cycle or they're hoping that whatever this pay structure is, is going to be enough. Um, but you have that Xbox has a huge thing opening up with uh, Xbox Game Pass, which is already a, a great deal for consumers. Uh, I have no idea what it actually looks like for developers, like third-party developers who sign on, but that's basically like the Netflix model of, you know, you buy in and you get access to all the games, uh, which is great because like when everything's free, you know, you take flyers on random games you would never play before and you just download stuff for fun. You know, you download like a random cartoony game just because why not? It's free. Um, yeah, my question is like, are are we going to get any like A-list games off of this? Or, or is it just going to be these like back catalog titles that have been out for a while? Yeah, it, it, it's just, it's weird on, on iOS. It, it doesn't, I don't know. And I don't know if it makes that much sense because I don't think it's going to eventually, if they want to get most people onto like a, Say gamepad like arcade is the place to be if you are an iOS gamer, or are you a gamer in general who sure. likes to play games across platforms? And and that's a legit thing because I know a lot of people like kind of besmirch that and say like you know only hardcore gamers are on consoles and stuff like that. But it's like if you play by the numbers, like iPhone and Android are the two biggest gaming platforms in the world. Like they're far bigger than any than Sony or Microsoft. You know, it's like. And I get what a hardcore game is, but it's it's like there's you know there is a huge amount of people playing far more than even the console games. So it's and the it's power weird. and the power of these platforms, either Android or iOS, the the latest chipsets, the graphics power of these of these chipsets and the CPU power of these chipsets, they are rivaling even last generation consoles. So you can have an, a a as good looking as an Xbox 360 game on either an Android or an iOS phone nowadays. Well, and you you said you, you didn't really follow the Google Stadia stuff too much that came out at GDC, but that what they're trying to do, what they're purporting to promise is uh, insane. It's full on triple. Basically, the, the promise of Stadia is that Google servers are so powerful, they could they could downstream to you a triple a 4k 60 frames per second game that has more power on it than your physical box can can provide so in theory and gaming is really infatuated with uh teraflops now which nobody really knows what they are they're like a gpu cycle uh and theoretically what stadia is promising is 
more teraflops than Xbox and PlayStation combined right now, the top of the line ones. And so haven't so haven't they is hasn't this technology been around for a long time though it just just is google's version of it because i know nvidia nvidia has nvidia is a geforce live something like that they um, have that play sony actually has a pro uh their version of kind of the netflix for playstation games is playstation now and it's more of a streaming all the time streaming directly kind of thing but i just don't think and, and most people don't like it. They say it's not very good because you're not downloading straight to the device. Um, but Google's been doing tests and some of the reports that I'm hearing are that the actual, the lag, the true lag from, if you had a top of the line um, uh, Xbox controller or PlayStation controller, your lag from the moment you hit a button to what you see on TV is, I think they said like 160 milliseconds. And Google theoretically has that latency down to that amount so it's virtually uh exactly the same and i think they're saying all you need is 15 megs down and you should be able to do that because in it the other part of it is that the google stadia thing the controller wi-fi or the controller is not connected to a console it's con connected to wi-fi and you know the wi-fi you know the router and all the processors and whatever's going on on google's side is what's streaming down so you were just talking about like, you know, these devices, the Apple devices and stuff like that, and uh, Android, all of Androids as well are so good. They're getting really, really close to what like top of the line PlayStations are now. Uh, but I wonder if pretty soon we're not even going to need that because you, you know, you put both of them together and do you have something fast enough to actually compete and, you know, drive everything you need? Yeah, I think regardless, the... Uh the power of the platform isn't the problem. It's the willingness of the developer to put their AAA title on the platform. And I think this is the problem that the iPad has in general, which is like, it has the power, like even if we're talking about productivity apps, mm -hmm. but no one's putting full Photoshop. It's happening, we talked about this before, but it's happening later this year. But you know, up until very recently, the iPad's been around for how many years? Eight years now, like a long time. Mm -hmm. It's only finally getting what is effectively AAA productivity software. I don't think it's ever gotten AAA gaming software, regardless of its power thresholds. Sure. Um, so, yeah, if they need to court these developers to bring that over, like, why is not... Like, there's so many games that are on Steam right now that would work perfectly fine on an iPad, that would work even better than most computers. Like, why is the latest SimCity not on the iPad? Why is, you know, just games like that, that it like doesn't require like this fast Twitch thing mm -hmm. um, because, you know, it, it works better on a touchscreen, stuff like that. I think a lot of it is just the there's no guarantee for the developer. It's hard. And that's, you know, that's right, a lot of, of what you economics. see, especially on the Apple TV, where it's like we're going to have games and it's going to be on the TV and it's going to be great. And it's like, well, all you have is this Apple remote and the Apple remote sucks. Uh, so how are you going to convince some huge company to spend, you know, two years of time and millions and millions of dollars to produce a game and then hope it takes off on an unproven platform? Like it, you have to have real buy-in from someone. And if Apple, I think what Apple has to do is really start paying upfront money out 
to developers and say, you know, we're going to pay your costs to produce this game and then do like the Netflix model of say, you know, we're going to buy your stand-up comedy show for $100,000 or whatever it is. Like you record it and give it to us. Now we own it, whether it makes, you know, whether 10 people see it or 100 million people see it. Uh, you know, we yeah. purchase it for a hundred grand and I think Apple's going to have to, and obviously this is way bigger scale than that. This is probably a couple million dollars, uh, close to a million dollars, even for like an indie game with a couple devs behind it. But, uh, you know, I, something similar, I think is going to have to happen if they're going to get real legitimate games on iPads and, uh, Apple TVs. Okay. So yeah, Apple arcade coming this fall. So I guess we'll know more then. So next is the improvements to Apple Pay slash the Apple Card. Yeah, Chicago, uh, Chicago subway passes on the on the on that Apple was the Pay most finally. <laughs> that was the most interesting thing to me. I know. <laughs> and it's the simplest thing. It's literally just another NFC thing. They they could have done this years ago. I know. Ago, it I blew think. my mind that it's, they still didn't have it. But in like Portland, New York, Chicago, all the big uh, kind of Ventra cards and whatever everyone else has uh is now going to be a part of the apple wallet or whatever which uh, uh, yeah I, i'm excited about any time i can get rid of more cards from not having to carry them yeah. all the time I'm, I'm all for yeah and i would hope that comes to android as well because the google pay app is also very capable yeah it's absolutely. almost one one for one almost the same as apple the apple wallet yeah uh, so yeah 100%. that's 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 Good. But yeah, the biggest announcement was Apple is uh, doing their own credit card. Which actually, A, I think is really smart. And B, I think they've been wanting to do this for a long time. Like I, I've heard a couple of people talk about like, what Apple really needs to do is just be a bank. And like, I think well, they're I don't getting think, closer. I don't, I don't think that is accurate. As a person who works worked many years in the credit card industry okay i don't think that's particularly accurate it's like calling like target has a red card Car target is a bank target is not a bank uh they have a backing bank sure true um, yes they have some kind of partnership with them that is because they do they either in target's case do so much volume or in apple's case has the potential to do so much volume that they can pull special strings and get sort of more their way basically my i don't know exactly if, you know this is how the, the red card works but this is basically the idea right is that you are using you are applying for credit for this store card and they have a backing bank uh there are inner there are fees uh when you use a credit card that the merchant usually pays somewhere uh, between like three and five percent yes uh, yeah so it's more like, ugh, I don't want to get into all the specifics. It's sometimes we're between 0.5% and like okay. 3.5%. I, I mean, all I hear, you know, like, obviously, like, Stripe has a has an online interface, and you know that it's like 2.9% plus the 30 cents, but you hear about Visa and MasterCard being a whole different ballgame of variability Well, what Stripe is doing, Stripe is making it simple. They're basically taking what the average of a transaction is and then charging you the average for every transaction. Right, right. Instead, instead of charging you per transaction. Right. So, like, if you're a business and you only take, like, Amex business, which is probably one of the highest interchanges, probably, like, 4%, Stripe is actually losing money. 
But if you're another business and you're taking like Amex or you're taking like MasterCard debit, which is probably one of the lowest, Mm -hmm. you're actually overpaying. So, uh, you know, they're 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 making the bet that you are going to like that simplicity over like this bill where every card is a different transaction rate. So you're saying like on this card, Apple isn't actually bringing in the money from the transaction fee. Like, let's say it's it's one to two percent. So they might have a deal with Goldman Sachs where they're getting something out of that, right. but there's no guarantee of that. We don't know that. That's they're true. Golden, this is like a branded Goldman Sachs card, basically. And there are some back-end agreements that they have that we don't know that maybe will come out in the press. But yeah, they probably have some, pulling some strings. They're probably, you know, there's two ways a credit card company makes money. They make it off the interchange fee that the merchant pays, or they're making it off of the interest on carry balances. Mm-hmm. Those are the two ways. And that's where, like, the rewards come into play. They will just, out of that money, that giant pile of money they're making off those two things, they'll chip you in some. Yeah. And my guess, and this is obviously completely speculative, but I don't think Apple cares about the interest as much as they want to be able to take a cut of every payment that comes through, especially on Apple Pay now. Like, I think, you know, they, they right now they only make money when people have NFC and Apple Pay. Like, I think they want to find a way to get a lot more transaction payments yeah well they they make a lot yeah i don't know if that i don't know i think that this is more of just providing a service and it's more incremental revenue like the same way it is like i'm making the analogy to the target red card Mm -hmm. it's more like that where you're making some incremental revenue and it's driving loyalty um and that's really that would be enough apple doesn't make have to make a huge amount of money on it but just the fact that it's driving loyalty and they're making a little bit of money on it. I think that's sort of, at least what I've seen of these announcements, that seems like it needs to be, it doesn't need to, these things don't need to have to be huge successes. Like Apple makes enough money. They just need to be incrementally a little bit more. That's fair. I mean, that, that's a really good point that like it, it doesn't actually have to be moving the needle financially, but what it's doing is driving a lot more people to use Apple pay and get ingrained in the service all the more. And that alone yeah. is a huge win. Yeah. Yeah, and the rewards get cashed out into your Apple Pay cash card. Oh, we should mention this. The rewards are actually pretty decent because most credit cards, if you have a flat rate rewards program, um, it's usually 1% or 1.5% on every transaction. And sometimes they have specialty transactions that are higher. So this, that's 1.5% or those 2% on everything is actually pretty decent. I was actually going to say, I didn't think the rewards are very good. <laughs> I was thinking, okay, I thought 2% on everything is pretty good. That is pretty good, but no no sign-up bonus kind of stuff. Uh, and I thought they had to, I really thought they should have hit 5% for Apple purchases. I, I was going to say that too. <laughs> then it would have been like, okay, kind of a no-brainer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who, who knows? I did like the fact that it it's sort of deep integration into the Apple Pay app. And it gives you all this sort of, because like, no matter what credit card you choose, all credit card websites are awful. And I have firsthand knowledge of why they are, because all the backend systems are awful. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's such an old industry and they make so much money. They really don't have a lot of incentive to make it better. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you going to do? Not have a credit card, you know? So, but I like the fact that like it, they're trying to do some innovative things in the Apple Pay app with this credit card, like, you know, having real time balance, having 
payments, having being able to be use machine learning to like better tell you when you should make payments. Like maybe it makes sense to pay weekly instead of monthly to mm -hmm. get rid of your interest faster. Yeah, I think if they make a if they sort of just make a a do good on people to say like, hey, we're, again, like I don't think Apple really cares about the interest that much. Like they would rather just create a system that makes people feel better about their credit. No, Apple doesn't because I guarantee you they're not making money on that because Golden, Golden Sachs is because they're the actual right. bank. So, yeah, I, I think that frees them up to be like, yeah, we want to make a good customer experience. We don't really care about the actual money part so they probably are making something on the transaction because this will encourage more transactions but will encourage less carry of balances yeah so but I, I do like the fact that the they talked about using machine learning and using gps and using mm -hmm. all this other stuff to more accurately tell you what your transactions are and more accurately categorize your transactions which i find to be the worst part of uh, a lot of credit card things yeah. like I use mint, but it sucks like it it miscategorizes things all the time and I have to go in and yeah. I've given up I've given it up on trying to recategorize things so if you know I would think they would be smart enough now there's such a huge number of transactions and a huge number of people I'm not buying really obscure things right right why does it think this thing this restaurant that I went to that's a popular restaurant in Chicago is not a restaurant it's a uh, you know, retail establishment. Yeah, or like the haircut is fast food or something like that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, because like they try their machine learning is really dumb, so it's like haircut express and they're like anything with <laughs> right. express in it is fast food. Right. So yeah, so this would be great. So if it actually did that, I like the fact that it shows you like your total spent like it it's a lot of, this is like what I want everything to like Mint should have done this like years ago. Yeah. And I also think they I wouldn't be surprised if they are trying harder, not necessarily to compete with like a Chase Sapphire rewards card, but to compete with um, like Square Cash, where now they kind of have rewards baked in. And, you know, like most credit cards try to incentivize you with the big sign up bonus. If this is a platform and Apple Pay is a thing moving forward, at any time, Apple could say, hey, we're partnering with Starbucks. Now you get three more percent with this or this time yeah. your card now gets this and they can market it out to you and they can say you know your time spent at target is you know, double points or whatever like there's a lot of different things that they can do on the fly because your card is not just a piece of plastic it's it's your phone and they can send you messages and stuff yeah and also you can get a really nice titanium laser etched credit card and it looks nice although i just I got so. the the square cash debit card basically because it was yeah. free uh yeah and they allow you to put emojis like etched into the signature <laughs> so uh -huh. i have my signature plus a like crying joy emoji which i think ah, is nice. lovely um i like the fact that it is a little, this card is innovative in that it doesn't have anything on it so it doesn't have things that it can allow people to steal your stuff so it doesn't have a card number, it doesn't have a CVV. It basically, I don't think it even has a stripe. I think it only has a chip, which is great. Yeah, and because it's the bulk of it's coming from your phone, you have that, you have the rotating like unique ID. So you have my favorite part about using Apple Pay is that the number is always obscure. It's like a VPN for your credit card. And now you yes. have that even more, which is a great thing. Right. I did notice when they announced that Goldman Sachs was their banking partner that everyone was silent there was no cheering <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
But this is going to be, this is what I find is going to be very interesting. When you actually get to, this gets released and people start applying, like what are going to be the the rules? Like what does your credit score need to be to get this? They're going to send you, they're going to send someone with a 600 credit score, titanium credit card. Like what is that going to be? And is it, so is this going to be an elitist thing or is this going to be an everybody thing? Yeah. I mean, you also have the the already built-in thing of people who use Apple products are probably on the higher end of I, that, that's not stuff. every but like no nah, it's half of the people in the u.s there's a lot of people that i guarantee you there are people that don't even have bank accounts that have iphones that's fair yeah uh there's a lot of underbanked people as people in the industry would call it in the united states so like there's a lot of people who probably don't have credit cards right now that have iphones so i if they want to get into that space i think this is going to be something that I guarantee you when this comes out and people start applying and the rules about who can, you know, right. be be approved and what credit limits people are getting. These are going to be huge. Like there's going to be a Wall Street Journal article about the elitism, <laughs> you know, of Apple and shit like that. Credit score gate. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. FICO gate. You're, so you're I, just I getting do... wrong. You're just holding yeah. that wrong. <laughs> Yeah, but I do like the fact that Apple is very influential. So if they actually, you know, cause shakeup in this industry that needs shakeup, that would be great. I just hope we get more mobile pay out of it because whether it's Apple Pay or Android Pay or whatever, I want to be using my phone for all my payments and never have to hold a credit card again. Yeah. Well, they mentioned that. they mentioned in the R or in the when they were announcing this that Apple Pay acceptance in the U.S. is over seventy percent of merchants, and then in other countries it's even higher. I think it's like ninety in Canada. Yeah, like then, chip and pin stuff is legit in Canada and Europe. As somebody who was just recently in both, uh, so being able to use the NFC on top of that is is pretty is much more seamless. Yeah, one of the big things, if you're an American going to Canada and then going to a restaurant, they bring the credit card machine mm-hmm. to the table. Yep. Um, and then if you think about it, like it seems weird to us, but if you think about it, it's much weirder to give some random person who's like a, probably a minimum wage employee your credit card to go behind like a magic counter and do something with and bring it back to you. Oh, 100%. I mean, before Apple Pay was even announced, I remember thinking about, obviously nothing came from it, but like a startup idea of some way to like do things from your phone or from your table to where you don't physically give your card to people because you do it all the time. Yeah. They go into other rooms and like most of the time it's not even people who are just swiping. Like, you know, there's always, you hear about people like skimming stuff under the table, but it's like, you're legitimately giving your credit card away for like five minutes for somebody to go somewhere else. And you don't know what they're doing with it. Yeah. So yeah. Open table had that for a while. I think they kind of gave up on it, but I went to one restaurant where I tried it where, yeah, you would check in with open table. They would use the open table. Yeah. You would have that app open and then your bill would show up as they entered it. Yeah. And then you can just pay with Apple pay whenever. I think a lot of like your normal restaurant and bar here just don't have that stuff built out yet. Uh, and it's a bummer, but hopefully this kickstarts some of that a little bit. Cause I would love to just know at the table what my, what my card you know what my tab is and stuff all right last their last announcement was well it's like apple tv which had a bunch of announcements in tv it. They, after what, 11 years the real apple tv has happened i guess so apple tv coming to actual tvs that's the biggest thing that i found interesting is that there's going to be an apple tv app that i guess is 
the same or similar to the Apple TV Apple TV OS that's in the box. There kind of is a TV app already, and it's supposed to aggregate everything that you give it access to. But I don't ever use. I I have an Apple TV. It's kind of my main uh, point of like on the TV. But I don't really use the TV conglomerated app that much. And I feel like I'm the only one who doesn't care at all that I don't just have to like sign up for Stars or HBO on my uh, on my computer and then go to the screen. But I guess that one click, like just subscribe now is is really enticing for a lot of people. I think the the show Showtime and Stars care more than you do because they're you know they have metrics on conversion rates and then there's going to be a huge drop off if they have to go somewhere else instead of just clicking try it now. Yeah, I mean that's fair. But even then with the TV like I am constantly reauthenticating things all the time. Like I feel like every other time I log into like, you know, ESPN or something like that or uh, FX, I have to re-authenticate it. So like through the, um, you know, the, the provider and stuff like that to get the channels on Apple TV. So I, I don't know. It's not, I don't feel like it's that much better, but I understand why it's becoming a big thing. And I think Apple was smart to hold off as long as they did, because now they actually have buy-in from everybody except for Netflix and Hulu basically on this. Hulu's in it. Are they? No, yeah. the payment isn't. isn't. I don't think. Oh, well, Hulu is part of like the the integration into it. They their shows show up in Apple TV on Apple TV, app, right? But, but Netflix does not. I don't think Hulu is in on the payment bit yet, and Netflix certainly isn't. And that was really funny on stage. Like you could you could audibly hear the tension of them not saying Netflix as like we're integrated with. Showtime and other people. I wonder. I wonder why is Netflix the holdout because they're the biggest and they're like we want to control our presentation and we don't want you to control our presentation of our media. Like if we have you know a big premiere of uh, uh, Stranger Things season three, we want that to be the biggest thing. And when we, they go to Netflix app, it will be. When they go to Apple TV, who knows? It's whatever you guys think it should be. And it could be, say, Hulu has a premiere the same day. Maybe, you know, maybe that shows up and they won't like that. Right. The story, as far as I know it, is that it's mostly down to uh, data metrics and the payment gateway. Because even up until a couple of years ago, mm, okay. Apple has been 30% across, across the board. And now we're hearing a lot more that they have partnerships where it's down to 15%, maybe even as low as 10% for like the first year or something like that. But Netflix doesn't want to give up the extra cash on top of it. Well, they can't really because they're already so cheap and they keep constantly edging up their price because they're not that that they're losing money, but it's not balancing out with all the money they're spending. So, yeah, I I would certainly, yeah, certainly not want to take a big chunk of like, say, every Apple user signs signs up through the Apple way. And even if they took 10 percent, that would be a big chunk. Yeah, and a lot of people are. If you sign up through the Apple TV, it's I don't twelve ninety nine. But if you do it from the computer and then authenticate in the app, it's nine ninety nine. So some of them are just hiking up the price for their their initial buy in, yeah. anyways. Uh, but and then I was looking at some of the stuff on screen, and at one point they talked about, I think it was stars, and they showed either ten ninety nine or eleven ninety nine. So the prices aren't 
like nine ninety nine across the board. Like I think some people are trying yeah. to latch on to. Well, this channel thing that they announced, which is the idea that you can just buy channels that then show up in Apple TV, is not a new concept. No, Prime Apple, Video has Amazon this. has it. Yeah. Amazon has it, Hulu has it, and they have these same things. You can buy Showtime within Amazon Prime, and you can buy Stars within and HBO within Hulu, mm-hmm. um, which is then adds this kind of weird inception, right? You can buy, say you, you have Hulu in Apple TV, but then you have bought Showtime in Hulu through Apple TV, or... Yeah, can you log in, can you log in the Stars anywhere if you do that? So then are you getting the stars, you're getting the stars apps or stars content through your Hulu subscription into your Apple TV? Is it treated like Hulu stuff or is it treated also like star stuff? That gets really weird. Yeah, I don't don't know. I I think there's still questions to be answered. And again, like all these shows are coming out and I heard somebody else say this. uh, I believe it was on daily tech news show that I was listening to, but I thought it was really interesting that they were just like, there is such a hodgepodge of these shows. Like none of these shows seem like they really like coalesce at all, other than the fact that they're like huge names. Like we got Oprah on board. Let's let her do her show. And granted her, those shows sound amazing. Like they sound really good, but it doesn't feel like there's a very strong vision for what the TV stuff is actually supposed to be. Other than we got a bunch of names on board. Uh, also a community for everyone. That's why, you know, the lead actress and friends and of the American office and Oprah are on stage right now to show that this is for everyone. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess we can talk about the plus now, which is they didn't give too much information. Like you said, other than like the celebrities showcase of who they didn't really they didn't have any previews of any of the shows and then i'm confused as to if it's just going to be basically apple tv plus is basically just apple produced shows or it's something like prime video where you get prime produced shows but then you also get a backlog of movies and tv well i mean we know that they have an in with disney and Disney Plus is coming out soon. Uh, we know that they have, they're obviously a part of the same ABC umbrella. So I i would highly, I would be willing to bet that they get a backlog of shows as well. Like they can make the same deals that everyone else are making and then also have their, um, their uh, originals. Right. So then it's just adding another thing on top. So then it becomes like, who do you go to for originals? Or if you want all the originals, which are like maybe a few good shows, you would have to pay $10 or or $15 for each one of these services. And now you're more than what cable used to be. No, I think the subscription fatigue, we've talked about this before in the show, is definitely real. It's definitely happening to me, especially. So I my subscriptions to like streaming stuff I have right now is Netflix, Hulu, Prime Video. Uh and CBS All Access, if you count that by buy it through Prime. So I kind of want to, especially because most of the video stuff is very similar between Hulu and at least at least the backlog stuff is very similar between Prime Video and Hulu. I'm kind of edging Hulu out of my life. Mm-hmm. I just have a few a few more shows that I want to binge out and then I'm done. <laughs> 
so I can at least knock one of those off. And I'm not interested in adding any new ones for sure. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's the problem is that like they all have one or two things, and you just kind of you want those yeah. couple things. I could I could just be subscribed to Netflix and then have way more content than I could, I could ever watch. So it just makes no sense for me to watch. You know, pay for all of these. Like Prime Video is only coming along because I pay for Prime for other things. Right. right. So it's like a secondary. So yeah, it's I'm not going to pay for more of these. Disney Plus, you're not getting my money. I don't care. I don't care how many Marvel shows you have. I'm I'm I, franchise fatigued and subscription yeah. fatigued. <laughs> I tend to do it more where like I'll buy something for a month or two. Like I'm paying for ESPN Plus cuz multiple seasons of sports are kind of getting into the playoff push, so I'm a little more interested. But I know once yeah. summer hits, I'm going to drop it as fast as possible and I'll probably yeah. get yeah, you know, Disney Plus for a month or two, and then I'll drop it for a while. And I kind of did that with HBO, ran through a few shows, and then dropped it. Um, so I, I, I generally don't like. I don't feel the pain of losing something too bad. Like I'm just like, all right, I'm done. Yeah. I don't have access to that show anymore, and it doesn't bother me. Right. Exactly. So yeah, I th- there's just lack of information around Apple TV Plus, other than the fact that it will have shows with famous people and something steven spielberg doing something yeah revitalizing uh, is it amazing stories yes yeah. i think that's so yeah i mean good stuff but it was interesting man other than the news thing i've never seen apple come out and show so much this was a two-hour keynote it was very long and not have anything coming out you know next week or today or whatever well i think it's just services are just very different than hardware hardware you can make the thing you make plans to make the thing manufacture the thing and put it out yeah and even software that if your internal software you can control it this other thing you there's so many things that have to go into that like making a credit card there's so many deals that have to happen sure and you know and soft you know it's a combination of all those things now it's hardware software and uh these back room deals so it's and you know they're making tv shows i think they just wanted to make a spectacle of and i think they did a good job of it being like we're doing a lot of things like we're not just the iphone company we are your now sort of life company uh, but and I think I think Google has been doing that for a long time too. Like they were, I think, more ahead in things like this, where they have a lot more services that are more deeply integrated into your life, and they like push on that a little bit more. So it's going to be interesting to see at Google I/O or maybe at their own events, maybe these fall events, if they have some of these competitive things as well. And I think they might because they kind of sync up. There's always that race where it's like you know they leapfrog each other. Yeah. Right. Every every six months. I think it's actually kind of interesting too that like Apple is almost a little hamstrung by the fact that they're so consumer focused that, you know, if they knew that the best thing for their bottom line was to create an AWS competitor, I don't know if they could or if they would. Like they have to find ways to to attack things in different ways. And it's kind of interesting that they think their best option is to attack uh, Netflix. Netflix and Amazon Prime Video versus, um, you know, 
some of the other stuff that Google's working on right now or something very enterprise. Yeah, they're not giving you tensor processing units. Yeah, they're not doing AWS. They're not doing like... They're not doing G, anything like G Suite, which I thought would be like a really... They don't. They refuse to do anything in the enterprise besides support Exchange servers. Well, and they they kind of tried that a few years ago, trying to to bundle in Mail stronger and do um, better iCloud integration. And really, at the time, five or six years ago, everyone said that Apple sucks at services. That's why they do hardware. And now we're seeing them. I'm not going to say pivot because I think their hardware is still incredibly strong and that's not going away anytime soon, even though, you know, people say that phones are, are dwindling in sales and sales and which, they're catching up. Like everyone's caught up. Yeah. They're kind of at this point, like you're going to get a phone that's 90% as good as an iPhone, the highest end iPhone for half the price. Yeah. Or, you know, they're all kind of in the same range and in, in mid tier phones, especially in, uh, you know, other markets like emerging markets are really, really strong. Uh, yeah. So I, I think it's interesting to see how Amazon try or not Amazon to see how Apple tries to pivot itself. Like if Apple had no hardware to lean on, what does it lean on? And I think they're trying to figure that out. Not to say that hardware is going away, but they need to have an answer if, you know, theoretically something didn't exist anymore. What do they still have? Right. Um, yeah, the other interesting thing that I found intriguing for the future of how things might be working at Apple, like reading some tea leaves, is that the Apple TV app they announced will be coming to smart TVs. Yeah. Like Samsung, Vizio, LG... I want to say another one, and then streaming boxes, including including Roku and Fire TV. So I I'm very interested in what that's going to that kind of experience is going to be like. Is it going to be like an Apple TV just it, on this smart TV? What kind of compromises like from a software perspective? I'm just interested. What kind of compromises do they have to make? Because obviously, smart TV processor is way not going to be as fast as an Apple TV. Um. Is there going to be software even differences between the different manufacturers, between the different boxes? Yeah. I mean, this is probably the biggest opening outside of the walled garden since like iTunes on Windows. 